Good morning again. Uh, as you, Kendall mentioned, as the video, on the video you saw, we're starting a new series called Airplane Mode. And we kind of led our way into it last week uh, with our uh, kind of one-off Chase the Lion series uh, as we introduced the importance of prayer. And uh, we shared the story of uh, how the disciples couldn't cast out uh, a demon. And, uh, and then Jesus shows up and he's able to do it. And then the disciples say, well, how come, we weren't able to, how come we weren't able to do it? And Jesus says, well, this kind only comes out through prayer. He had a, no point in the story to Jesus pray. Uh, and if you read through the Gospels, you'll see the reason that that happened was because Jesus li lives a lifestyle of prayer. Uh, he lives uh, a lifestyle of prayer. Uh, every morning he would get up uh, and he would spend hours with the Father in prayer before his day started. You'll often read uh, that Jesus stayed up through the night uh, in prayer. And we kind of related that to, uh, to dancing. And I'm just curious, how many of you guys tried, tried the floss this week? Did anybody... Practicing in the, okay, nice. We had, we had some. I, I was walking out of church. I loved it. I just saw like all generations like flossing in the, uh, in the hallway there. And uh, I've had uh, multiple messages this week. I think I got it. I think I got it. Um, but the point being that, you know, often when, you, when the music hits and you're at a wedding, you're at, you're at a place where there's dancing, and you very quickly see who, uh, who are the folks in that room that dance in the privacy of their own homes because all of a sudden they start busting all these moves and, uh, and they've obviously practiced that. And we believe that prayer is much the same way, that there's moments in our lives where, uh, where it is revealed whether we're living in a lifestyle of prayer or not. There's moments where God is going to ask us to step up and respond uh, to what he's calling us to do as individuals, as a corporate community, and, and whether we are sitting in that space of prayer or not uh, will be revealed in those moments. And as we begin 2018, uh, we thought there was no better way to start than focusing on uh, prayer. And so we're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, tomorrow. And uh, throughout this series, Airplane Mode, we're going to explore what it means to disconnect from the noise of life and actually connect uh, with God. And it starts with creating time and space. And as we move forward in the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I would ask you to consider, have you created time and space in your life for God to speak to you? Have you created time and space uh, to connect with God, to to receive the life-giving water uh, is one of the metaphors that he used in the Gospel of John. That you'll never thirst if you take the water from him. The bread of life, as he refers to himself. Do you create time and space for that? Because those that don't make appointments with God end up being disappointed by God. Those who, don't make up, who end up making appointments with God will be disappointed by God. And some of you, in the midst of your life's journey, in the midst of your relationship with God, maybe you've actually begun to have some resentment, some disappointment. And I would go back and say, are you creating time and space to connect with God in the midst of your story? I went through December and I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, so for those of you who left me messages and tried to phone me and you thought I was just being like this very uh, terrible pastor that had no intentions of connecting with people. Uh, the reality is that my phone broke and it didn't work anymore. I couldn't receive phone calls. Uh, I couldn't, and I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. Uh, but in the midst of that, I had like this, this disconnection from this busy world that uh, I had grown so accustomed to. And if you're anything like me, you probably don't even realize how connected you get to the noise of our world. My phone is beeping all the time. Uh, 
Uh, you know, when I get an email, when I get a text, when there's, you know, I have certain notifications on certain apps, you know, when the Raptors are going to play a basketball game, you know, uh, you know, all these different sounds and beeps and it's always going off my pocket. And even when I'm in conversations with people in a coffee shop, my phone, you know, vibrate or make noises and it actually disables me from being fully, to being able to be fully present in the moment. I think God is calling us to be fully present with him. Uh, and maybe there's practical pieces on your phone that you need to live life and actually switch your phone to airplane mode, but maybe there's other noi noisiness that's going on in your life that you need to disconnect from so that you can connect with God more fully. I believe that God wants to speak to us. I believe that God is always trying to speak to us. And I know that there's some in this room that either, uh, you know, there's a spectrum of us, right? There's some that don't believe that God speaks at all. And some of you may be in that place this morning. You know, I don't think God speaks at all. I believe he spoke kind of when the Bible was written and now he doesn't speak at all. We'll talk about that in a minute. I believe that, you know, God speaks, but he speaks to only a select few people, a select few special people that, have, that are really gifted just at, you know, hearing God's voice. But the rest of us, you know, we, uh, we got to read the Bible. Uh, and then there's another group of you that think, I believe that God does speak and that God speaks to most people, but for whatever reason, he just doesn't speak to me. Uh, and so I'm left wondering why that is. God, what's wrong between you and I? And did I, did I miss something here? And then I believe that there's a group of us here that believe that God is speaking, wants to speak to all people. And at SunWest, we believe that God wants to speak to all people, that it's not just something for a select few. It's not something for a handful of people, except for those that, you know, don't get get it, uh, but every person, no matter who you are, where you've been, what personality type you have, uh, we believe that God wants to speak to you. So I refer to this group of people over here that God did speak at one time, and, but he doesn't speak anymore. And that's, uh, that's what we call cessationism. And those people that would maybe fall into that category, you know, they would maybe fall under the title of cessationists, believe that the gifts of God ceased, like the speaking gifts, like the hearing gifts, when the disciples and the apostles of Jesus ceased to live. So God authenticated certain people that he could speak through in the early church, the apostles, until we received the Bible, before we received the New Testament, and now we have the New Testament and that is sufficient for any revelation that God wants to bring into our lives, anything that God wants to speak into our lives. And they often refer to 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 12. So let me, let me read this here. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will, what does it say? Cease. Where there are tongues, they will be, where there is knowledge, it will So, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So, 1 Corinthians 13 does say there, there's going to be a time when these gifts cease, when prophecy ceases, where the gift of tongues ceases, where... Uh, knowledge ceases, that these things are going to pass away and it will come at the moment of completeness. And so 
Cessationism would teach that that completeness is referring to the canon of Scripture. When the Old Testament and the New Testament, when the the canon was closed and we said these are, the church said these are our Scriptures, that that meant that the time has been completed. There is completeness. Or some uh, translation would call it the time of perfection. So the gifts authenticated the apostles' teachings, but now that we have the writings, we don't need those gifts anymore. We have everything God could ever want to say to us because we have the Bible. Perfection is not referring to the completion of the canon here, though. And, and so if you read throughout, uh, you know, after that, in the later verses that we just read, it says, Then, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. When will we know fully as we are fully known? When will we see God as if we're seeing him face to face? That point is when Jesus returns, when Jesus comes back. The moment of completion is when uh, Jesus came uh, the first time to inaugurate the kingdom of God. Then he's going to come a second time to complete and finish what he started. And so we live now in that land in between. And so God still speaks to us. God still connects with us. And here at SunWest, we believe that the gifts have not ceased, uh, but God continues to work uh, in naturally supernatural ways. I think 1 Samuel chapter 3 kind of works a little bit like a, I kind of view it as a modern day parable in some ways. A a historical story about the calling of a prophet. So Samuel will be called by by God, and and, and this is what what it reads here, starting in verse 3. It says, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called us before. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And I feel like this is, in many ways, a modern parable. Uh, You know, right before the story is told in Samuel, it says uh, that the Lord had not spoken in a long time. And the story occurs in our Old Testament before Jesus came, before God came in the flesh in the form of Jesus, before Jesus died and was resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and before Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. And, and I think because of that reality, that God has sent his Spirit to us because of what Jesus has done in place of us, that we can put ourselves in Samuel's shoes and say that God is actually trying to get our attention, every single one of us. that we don't live in those days. Those are the days before God came as flesh, before the days that his Holy Spirit came for all people. So God is talking to us, and we just assume it's something else. Maybe it's Eli. Maybe it's my own thoughts. 
Maybe it's that bad plate of nachos I had. But we all need an Eli. We all need a moment, a person that can point out that God has actually been trying to get your attention all along. That God has been speaking. And you haven't necessarily recognized his voice, but that doesn't mean that he has not been speaking. Probably what needs to change is not, not that God needs to speak, but that you need to have the ears to hear. And you may have heard this illustration before, but it's, it's similar to like a radio station. At any given time, there's, there's radio waves going on through the air all the time. And it's just a matter of tuning in to the right station to catch what is actually already happening. So many of you may be on the wrong station. You're just hearing fuzz. And it's not that there's nothing happening, but it's that you're not tuning your ears into the way that you can actually hear what God's trying to say to you. So I hope in the next few minutes that you'll realize that you have actually heard the voice of God in your life. So we're going to do a bit of a listening survey. You'll find this in your, uh, in your bulletin, so you can pull out that piece of paper. Some of you just throw away and you think it's extra uh, paper on a Sunday morning for Charlie to discard of in recycling. There's actually a purpose to that piece of paper. So uh, on that little strip of paper in your bulletin, you will find a listening survey. And I would invite you, if you have a pen, uh, to check it off as we go through each of those items. And if you don't have a pen, that's okay. You can just make a mental note. Invitation. Has God ever invited you into his family? Some of you who are gathered here this morning have felt the call of God to actually be in the family of God and you've, you've actually responded to that and said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to forgive my sins. Uh, I want to live my life in obedience, in followership to you. John 6, verse 44, talks about that no one can actually come to the Father except those who have been called. That you, the only reason you are able to come to the Father, able to bow your knee to Jesus, is because the Spirit of God has spoken to you and compelled you to do so. Yeah, you can reject that voice, you can ignore that voice, but the reality is that the initiation that that desire to actually follow Jesus does not come from yourself. We like to live in a world that thinks, you know, I'm the king of my own world and everything that happens is because of me. But the reality is that Jesus has enabled us to hear. Jesus has enabled us to respond. And that is the reality we see in Scripture. And so if you've responded to the invitation from God to follow him, to be in his family, to become a son or a daughter of God, then congratulations, you've heard the voice of God. Secondly, Scripture. Have you ever heard God through Scripture? Have you ever opened the Bible and you just felt like that thing was not written 2,000 years ago? That could have been written today to me. One of the primary ways, the primary way that God actually speaks to us, reveals himself to us, and we're going to talk about this in future weeks, is through Scripture. And so if you've read the words of Scripture and you felt like they were alive, that there was a fire in your soul as you read them, you've actually heard the voice of God. Teachers, preachers, pastors, has God ever spoken to your heart through a pastor, preacher, or teacher? You sit in a room like this and, you're, and you feel like you're not in a crowded room. In fact, you're the only one in the room and you're almost in this one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone who's speaking and it's like, I think they're speaking directly to me. Has that ever happened to you? Worship. Has God ever spoken to your heart during, during worship? 
You know, as the band was leading us this morning, did you feel a response in your spirit to what God was doing? What God was, that God was, you know, connecting with you, that he wanted to meet with you, that he was saying something to you, that your heart opened up to him. And what is worship? What, what is art? I mean, it's more than music, it's more than singing. But often creative elements open our hearts towards God. They tune our ears in. And so maybe it's not even worship on a Sunday morning, but maybe when you put on, uh, I was going to say CD. I don't know if people listen to CDs anymore. Uh, when you turn on Apple Music or you turn on a record player, because people are doing that again now, uh, or you read a book or you looked at a painting, you watched a dance, and something in your spirit just kind of stood at attention that God was getting your attention, that God was connecting with you. He was opening your heart to him. Here's one, conviction or right of right and wrong. Does God ever address issues you need to make right with God or with others? If you are unable to admit that you hear the Lord through the first four questions, you will no doubt admit to experience conviction of sin. Genuine conviction of sin is the voice of God speaking to the heart about what grieves him. Of all the way that God chooses to speak, people have most developed their ability to sense guilt. In fact, with their own inclination for condemnation and the devil's ministry of accusation, we have boundless faith for hearing God in this area. By way of experiment, I want you to pause right now and just close your eyes. And we're going to do a, a, a bit of a prayer exercise right now with your eyes closed. And we're just going to pray, uh, Jesus, have I done anything today in the last 24 hours that grieves your heart or misses the mark? Have I done anything in the last 24 hours that grieves your heart or misses the mark that you had for me? And keep your eyes closed, but raise your hand if if in the last 24 hours you feel like there's something that was highlighted to you as you actually reflect on it, where you missed the mark. Yeah. Okay, you can open your eyes. It's amazing. It's amazing that we have developed the capacity to hear God's voice when it comes to sin and missing the mark. It doesn't take so long. We're quick to tune in to that station. The Lord loves to convict us of guilt because he so enjoys removing a heavy yoke and replacing it with peace. He loves to silence hearts that condemn and he will speak conviction with clarity because he wants to bring hope. He does not seek to actually give hopeless condemnation. He loves to give specific conviction so that we can move forward in hope and peace. He loves to clean our hearts of sin and its ugly effects. But might I suggest that since we are so proficient at dealing uh, with with sensing conviction, it would be useful to stay at, in that station, tune into that station a little bit longer and ask God what else he might want to say to us. We, we come out of a, a time in church history where uh, there's so much focus on how we've missed the mark. And so because of that, because we've grown up with that kind of assumption that God would point out to us where we missed him, we tune into that station very quickly, but what we fail to do is actually continue to tune into that station and say, God, what else do you want to say to me? God, what do you want to replace that with? 
Where do you actually want to lead me? And so we need to stay tuned into that station a little bit longer. Sixth question. Has God ever given you a burden for others? Have you ever felt a strong urge to actually pray for somebody? You know, you, you thought of somebody or, you know, they were speaking and you had this idea, I need to pray for them. And maybe in that moment you prayed for them or maybe later on you thought of them and you prayed for them. Seventh question. What about a prompting? Has God ever prompted you to encourage someone? I think that person really needs some encouragement. I can see they're down. I just feel like they need to be picked up. They need, some, they need somebody to breathe life into them. And then you go and you do that and you just assume that was you. Uh, in fact, that's, uh, that is what God calls us to. And often he speaks to us to pull out the gold and to encourage people. We've talked about this before, to speak courage into people that are being discouraged. So I won't get you to raise your hands right now, but my guess is that with that listening survey, almost all of you, if not all of you, would probably be able to put your hand up and say, you know, I've heard God in that way. That God still speaks. That it's not something that just happened 2,000 years ago, but it's something that is ongoing. And I argue if you were unable to even acknowledge one of those seven areas, that could it be that you just haven't quite been able to tune in to the fact that God is speaking? So those are very obvious, normal things that happen for many of us all the time that we often overlook and we say, hey, that's not God's voice. We dismiss it. There's other more spectacular ways in Scripture that we see God speaking. I'll just name a couple of them. Audible voice. God's call to Samuel was an audible voice. God called Saul on the road to Damascus in an audible voice. Uh, and although this is more rare, it doesn't happen very often, I do know people that this has happened too. It does still happen. Angels. In the Old Testament, God spoke through angels to Abraham, Joshua, Balaam, Gideon, Isaiah, Daniel, uh, Philip, Cornelius. There was uh, many people throughout Scripture that encountered an angel. And we even heard about that in the Christmas story that we uh, last month in December that God spoke through angels. There's other specific phenomena like the burning bush that Moses encountered or that God spoke through a donkey to Balaam. Has anybody had a donkey speak to them? I would love to hear that story if, if you've had that encounter. Um, I'm speaking to you right now. I'm surprised more people didn't put up their hand. Uh, you know, Gideon laid out a fleece and God spoke to him and revealed things to him through, uh, through, the, through this fleece encounter that you can read. You know, there's dreams and visions throughout Scripture. Visions are similar to dreams, except that those who are receiving them are awake. Uh, you know, so we see dreams in Genesis, and Joseph learned through two dreams what his future would be. The Magi and the Christmas story were warned through a dream. God appeared to Abraham in a vision, confirming his promise to grant him a son. Peter received a vision transforming his attitude towards the Gentile or the non-Jews in the New Testament, that God's kingdom was for all people. That was revealed in a dream to Peter. God speaks in dreams and visions to even people that don't believe in Jesus. There's lots of stories actually in modern day where Muslims are encountering Jesus in their dreams. In scripture, we see that Pilate's wife, King Nebuchadnezzar, actually encountered God in a dream. In Acts 2, 17 to 18, it says, In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. 
All. That includes you. That's why we have all in our mission statement that God desires to have all people in a lifelong authentic relationship with him. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. So the point isn't that the young men are going to see visions, old men will dream dreams and God's going to do different things. It's, what is being said there is that this phenomenon that's going to happen when Jesus comes and when he sends his Holy Spirit is for all people, young, old, all generations, male, female, for everybody. We mentioned this briefly, but we see uh, that God uh, speaks to people through preaching and teaching, through prophesying. And prophesying can be a prediction of future events. Uh, but more specifically in the New Testament, uh, in the post-Jesus era, it carries a primary function of building up, edifying, and encouraging the body of Christ. So there comes that word again, encouraging. When you call out the golden somebody, you're actually functioning in a prophetic way. And so we, some, some of us need to demystify that prophetic language a little bit and just recognize that God is actually calling you, and the idea is that he's revealing something to you that's underneath the surface. And so when you see something in somebody that maybe other people don't see, some gold in them that you see that other people don't see, and you call that out, you are actually functioning in a prophetic way. Words of knowledge, where God, God gives a specific uh, insight into somebody's life that you wouldn't have otherwise known. Words of wisdom. Interpretation of tongues. You know, in Scripture we see that, that people would speak in uh, a heavenly language called tongues or in other people's languages. Uh, you know, I, I met a, a lady this morning that, uh, that speaks Portuguese. You know, if I started speaking in Portuguese, uh, you know, that would be a form of speaking in tongues. And Paul talks about that there would be an interpretation of tongues. And so if someone speaks in tongues, you know, that lady in Portuguese would say, hey, hey, he's actually speaking in my language and let me tell you what he's saying. And so... Uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those are ways that God speaks to us, reveals his voice. And then finally, a still, small voice. And this is where I want to uh, kind of spend a little bit of time this morning. Still, small voice. And in comparison with some of the things I just read that might seem unspectacular to you, but yet it is the most common way in which God speaks to us. And it's even why the focus of this series is airplane mode because we believe that God so commonly and regularly speaks in a, in a, a still small voice that every single person in this room can hear that still small voice. Why does God prefer to use a still small voice in light of all these other things that we've, we've just mentioned? Because I believe it's best suited to a relationship with free, intelligent beings. It's a normal, everyday type of conversation and reality. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God's word promises that if we seek the Lord, we will find him when we seek him with all of our heart, that he will speak to us, he will connect with us if we are looking for it, if we are looking for him. There's a story of 1 Kings 19 with Elijah. And... Uh, Verse 11, it says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. 
When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love uh, this whole story. There's more to the story than that, but the whole story in 1 Kings 19. I still get a little bit confused if I'm honest that the voice of God told Elijah to go to the mouth of the cave to hear the voice of God. And then it says he heard the voice of God. So that, that's where it still confused me a little bit. But the reality is, it says that there was a gentle whisper. And if you spend time enough with people that really believe that God is connecting with them regularly, what you will find is they live in a lifestyle of being tuned in to not something that's so crazy and spectacular, but something that's so normal and almost unspectacular, this gentle whisper. We assume that God speaks in the earthquake and the wind and the fire. Maybe that's even what Elijah was expecting when he went to the mouth of the day. Oh, God must be in this. He must be in all this noise. He must be in all this hoopla. Only to find that God spoke to him and connected with him in the gentle whisper. Some of you know that uh, um, along with, with pastoring, I'm involved in some of our denominational uh, leadership uh, I am on the, uh, the National Mennonite Brethren uh, Executive Board. And so, uh, you know, now and then I am, I'm away on meetings and uh, bringing leadership uh, to the National Conference through that. Um, and that's been going on for the last couple of years. There was a, a very difficult season last year uh, in which the executive board that I was a part of uh, made the decision to let Willie Reimer uh, go as the uh, executive director of the MB Conference. Willie, Willie spoke about this. Willie's former pastor, church planter here at SunWest. Uh, Willie spoke in summer and he referred uh, to this event. Uh, and I was on the board that made that excruciating decision uh, for that to happen. Um, that's a whole other story, and I'm not going to get into that piece of it. But uh, just to say that that was a very difficult weekend for me. Uh, as I was locked up with Willie and Gwen, whom I love dearly, and uh, other board members I love dearly, uh, and navigated that season. Coming out of that weekend, I was, a, I was in a little bit of a, you know, God, where are you, are you in the midst of this? Um, you know, Willie been a mentor to me. Um, I, uh, without going into the details of that weekend, uh, the board didn't necessarily see eye to eye on everything that happened there. Um... In that following week, you know, as I was, you know, just seeking the Lord out, uh, I had this prompting, this thought. Uh, and the thought was this. Dave McLean is going to step down from the board, uh, and I don't want him to. So that's it. That was my thought. And so you guys don't know who Dave McLean is. So Dave McLean is a guy in Kelowna, and uh, he's on the national board as well. And he was, he's a newer member of the board than me. He hasn't been on there very long. I hardly even know Dave. Uh, and, and so it was like this gentle whisper, this nudge in my spirit. And, you know, so I just, you know, decided to be obedient to what might be the Lord uh, saying that to me. And I phoned Dave. After wrestling with the Lord over a little bit, I phoned Dave. I picked up the phone, and, and the conversation went something like this. Hey, Dave. Uh, and Dave, sorry, some context. Dave was not able to be 
uh, at that weekend. So he, he, didn't, he wasn't part of that processing, and then uh, so he would have got the decision, but not being a part of the processing of how that happened or w- what went down there. And, and so I phoned Dave and I said, hey Dave, um, I just, I felt this prompting to phone you and, uh, and I don't know if this resonates with you, but just sense that maybe you were thinking about stepping down from the, bo- from the board uh, because of what has happened um, and to possibly reconsider that and, and maybe God doesn't want you to. Maybe God actually is asking you to stay on. So Dave in BC is actually in Ontario at the time. Um, he worked, and he has a ministry, quite significant ministry with some uh, national leaders who's on Parliament Hill having some meetings there. And he said, well, you know what? I was about to enter into this meeting and I had, uh, and after this meeting, I was going to uh, send an email to Bruce, who's our, uh, who's our moderator, our chair. We're going to send an email to Bruce and let him know uh, that I'm going to step down. And I, he had drafted the email, just hadn't sent it yet. Uh, and, I, and he said, huh, this, uh, let me pray on that, uh, he said. Uh, and so I don't know what happened. And then I, you know, a month later or whenever it was, we had another set of board meetings. And so, uh, and Dave walks into the room and, uh, and, he, and he had said to the group that he was going to step down, but that God had spoken to him uh, through the phone call uh, that I gave to him uh, and, uh, and is going to remain. Uh, and it was unspectacular. It was just, it was a gentle whisper that I, that felt like my own thoughts. And so you, you, you could say, maybe that was your thoughts. I'm going to talk about that in, in a minute. But uh, I'm a, also part of a mentoring group uh, that kind of mentors pastors and hearing God's voice in some of these pieces. Here's another significant, cool part of the story. And so the, the leader of that mentoring group, the guy that's uh, mentoring me and uh, six or seven other guys, um, you know, we're sharing some stories about, you know, how God has been speaking and leading us. And I share him the story. And he says to me, that was you? I said, what do you mean that was you? He's like, Dave is my brother. I was like, no way. He's like, yeah, I'm Dave's older brother. And he was telling me about this. And he said, there's some young guy from Calgary that phoned him and... Uh, and I was like, this is crazy. Uh, and so really, really just neat moment of just, you know, seeing how small the world is and how God has, you know, just connected uh, multiple people together, uh, discerning God's voice together. There's a conversation killer when it comes to having a conversation with God. You know those conversation killers that you have with your wife or your spouse? Uh, you always, if you start a sentence like that, that is a conversation killer. You know that that conversation is not going to continue. It's not my fault. That's a conversation killer. You know, that really reminds me of my mother. Uh, that is a conversation killer. <laughs> not that I've ever said that. I, uh... With God, there is also conversation killers. And I will tell you, the biggest conversation killer with God is asking the question, is that just me? And I would like over these next 21 days to, for us to move away from saying, is that just me? Is that just my own thoughts? Is just that, that just my own feelings? And instead ask the question, is that true? Because the reality is, 
you know, Scripture says that we have the mind of Christ. And so when God speaks to us, it actually will feel like and seem like it's your own thoughts. It's coming from within you. It's not this audible voice, you know, and sometimes it's confusing when you say the voice of God. What does that even mean? But God can speak into your emotions, into your desires, into your thoughts. And we too quickly assume, well, that's just me because it felt like it came from me. Well, of course it came from you because the Spirit of God lives in you. And so instead of asking, is that just me? We say, is that true? And we stop trying to figure out what's me, what's God, because God is actually intertwined in us. So is sin, right? And so that's why instead of asking, is that me? Is that the devil? Is that God? Is that me? We say, is that true? Is that true? And so even in my example with Dave, you know, is that true? Well, I knew, I knew God's heart for our conference. I knew uh, Dave a little bit. Uh, and I couldn't, and because this is such a practical thing, uh, I didn't assume that I heard God correctly, uh, but I didn't assume that it was not true. There was nothing that would say, well, that's not true. It's not like, like God was saying, hey, I want you to go rob a bank. And I was like, oh, let me just figure out if that's God's voice or not. We know very clearly that's not true. This was not one of those situations. So, so I didn't have that check. Is it true or is it not true? Um, and so then I moved to the next step and say, uh, Dave, this is what I sense. But at the end of the day, it needs to be affirmed in his spirit. Uh, he, he needs to hear that as well. And so, you know, I don't say God says this to you. I say, this is what I feel. Does that resonate with you? And so instead of saying, is that just me? Can we move towards thinking in a way that says, is that true? And how do we know if it's true? Well, you have to come next week. That's what we're going to discuss. Um, John 10 says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and, and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. My sheep hear my voice. What do these words really mean? Can we take these words seriously? Our hope-stealing cynicism may seem justified even fashionable before the good shepherd's voice and assuming that maybe it's something else, maybe it's myself, but it's painfully inappropriate. My sheep hear my voice. And this idea that Jesus talks about in John 10 creates expectation. That if you're a follower of Jesus, that you should hear his voice. That you can hear his voice. You know, should... Let me just get rid of that word that I just said. Because that sounds like a shaming word. Instead, let me say, you are able to hear his voice. You're able to learn to hear his voice. Jesus did not say, only my prophets hear my voice. He didn't say, only pastors hear my voice. He didn't say, only spiritual people hear my voice. But rather, my sheep hear my voice. According to Jesus, his voice is not reserved for the spiritually elite, for the pastor, the priest, or the, the guru. Any sheep can hear his call. And that means that you can hear it too. And here's the reality of sheep, that sheep are simple animals. And there's a very, I think there's a reason why Jesus talks about sheep so much. You know, some people say sheep are stupid. I think what they're really trying to say is that sheep are just simple. They're not complicated. They're simple and they trust easily. So if you feel like a simple person, this is really good news for you. And the next step, the next invitation is just to trust. Just to trust that your good shepherd 
actually wants to speak to you and is speaking to you. So for the next 21 days, uh, starting tomorrow, uh, maybe you've never fasted before or you've kind of gotten this intentional making appointments and creating uh, rhythms in your days around listening intentionally to the voice of God. For anything like me, you've probably gone through seasons of life where it's just like, oh, I'll try and just be aware of God. Uh, but there's something to be said for creating disciplines in your life. And this is an invitation, I think, in these 21 days to actually create some rhythms, some healthy rhythms about carving out time and space because we believe that God wants to speak to us and we want to tune into what he's saying to us. And so as Kendall mentioned earlier, there's booklets at the back, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Pick one up. The first few pages just kind of do a bit of an explanation. I would encourage everybody in this room to read those pages, whether you've never fasted before or you fast a hundred times and fasting is part of your daily or your weekly, monthly disciplines and rhythms. Um, it's just very helpful. And it just kind of explains a little bit about fasting, what to be aware of, what, uh, what may be things uh, you want to avoid. Uh, if it's a first time fast for you, it has some uh, suggestions there. There's a few different types of fasts that you can look at. Uh, and the point of fasting, again, is that we, we have desires in our life. We have hungers, we have thirsts, we have desires. And we actually choose to not fall through on those desires because we believe that God is sufficient to meet our needs. And what you will find as you go through this, this process is that it's not easy. And so you'll have a choice, you know, well, you know, I tried fasting for a couple of days, it was not easy. And I just went back to doing what I, it's important to push through if you're able to push through. Because our spiritual lives and our physical lives are actually not as disconnected as we would like to think. And we are actually training our bodies to desire and hunger and thirst for the voice of God more than all of the other physical things that we may be hunger and thirst for in our day-to-day -day lives that we need God's voice in our lives day to day more than we need X. So please read the beginning of the pamphlet. Please consider whether that God is calling you to pray and to fast in some way over these 21 days. And as well, uh, come at 9.15 for a prayer time. Uh, bring your kids. If you're like, oh, I, you know, I got my kids. I was like, just bring them. We'll all pray together. This morning we had about 30 or so people in here praying. Just a great time of, you know, about 20 minutes. We just sat together, prayed together. Um, and we just want to seek the Lord together individually and corporately in this season uh, and expect that God is going to lead us because he wants to lead us because we are his sheep and he is our shepherd and he's speaking. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Um, let me just give you one really practical tool. As you're praying and you're fasting over these next 21 days, um, something that I've started to do, uh, I've always kind of had a practice of journaling, but I, I've changed my journaling a little bit uh, in, uh, in this past year. And um, if I can, Rob, you can just maybe throw the screen up there. What, what I do when I journal often now is I just, I write my initials and then I ask God a question. And then, I, and then I just sit and I think and I ponder and I just wait to have a sense, a thought, and then I, and then I write it down. 
I write down maybe what God's response is. And maybe God asks me a question in return, and I write it down. And then I, and then I write down my response. And, and what happens is I begin to have this conversation with God in Scripture, and you will be amazed at how this type of conversation will navigate. And when you look back and read it, like I was looking back at my journal even this morning, and I, and I, and I was like, wow, that's incredible. I, I wouldn't have actually come up with that. Uh, and God has uh, spoken very specifically into some things. And, and often when we pray, we just, you know, we throw up some prayers. Or maybe you write down a prayer. And I used to do that in my journal. I used to write down my prayers. And then I close my journal, and then I walk away. As if God didn't want to respond to me. Or I didn't believe that God wanted to respond to me. And so I, I've changed that, and I, I write something down, and then I wait. And then I write down what God might be sensing. And when, when I write something down or have a thought of what God might, might be sensing, instead of saying, is that me? I just say, is that true? Could it be true? And I write it down. And I assume that God is bigger and better than whatever other forces or influence might be going on in my mind and my heart. And so I come before him and just expecting that he would meet with me and speak with me. And I just need to make sure my heart is right before him. So let me pray for you, for us. And, uh, and I'm looking at, I have, a, I have just this huge level of expectancy in the season. Um, because I believe that as all of us as individuals seek the Lord, that there is going to be this corporate overflow in response to that. So would you join me? Lord, we thank you that you are a God that speaks, that you are a God that is good, that you are a God that doesn't just want to condemn us and pull out um, the bad stuff and the sin in our lives, but you actually want to move us from where we are into a greater place of intimacy with you, into a greater place of freedom with you and with others. You want to move us away from addictive cycles and patterns and into freedom. You want to move us into a fullness of life where we're overflowing with life that comes from you, your kingdom from heaven, and that you would bring heaven on earth in our hearts and then through us to the lives of others. Lord, we come to you in this season and know that uh, it's a bit of a watershed moment as a church. And for some of us, we look at change and, and it's frightening. For others, we get excited. Uh, but Lord, I thank you that you know where each person is at right now and we choose to believe that you have a plan, a hope, and a future for us as individuals, but for us as a faith community. That you have a calling on our lives and on this community. And Lord, we want to take these next 21 days and we just ask God that you would be faithful. That you would give us ears to hear your voice. And even more than that, Lord, that you would create in us pure hearts that hunger and thirst and desire you more than anything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you consider uh, joining us for these next 21 days in expectation that uh, God will meet us uh, in those secret, private places in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces where we're seeking Him, uh, and that as a result of us seeking Him together, that He would corporately um, lead us into 2018. And I pray that you would uh, just have the ears to hear, that you would be able to tune in uh, to what God is staying beyond the noise, beyond the static, and maybe there's practical ways that you need to unplug in this season. I pray that you would ask and seek the Lord and what that might be. Uh, but I pray that you would hear his voice clearly, that you would tune into his station, 
Uh, I was thinking as I was going back down to my chair, like like when you when you turn on 88.9 and you know that Daryl Daniels is going to be there waiting for you. <laughs> You're going to hear his voice. That that we would be able to, uh, with that type of precision, train our ears to hear God's voice in our lives. So please pick up a pamphlet and join us uh, at the end of the service. We have prayer teams available at the front and also in the foyer. Uh, and uh, and this is an important piece because God actually calls us to listen to his voice in community. And so you might have a sense or a thought, uh, but then we, we come together with other brothers and sisters because together we are the body of Christ. And, and so you can bring some of these things, uh, maybe that you're trying to discern to another person and say, hey, this is what I'm saying, this is what I'm feeling. Uh, what do you think? Can you, can you pray with me? And then we discern God's voice together. Uh, let me just close by uh, reading something that the Apostle Paul wrote in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3. Um, if I find it here. He said, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. I remember Paul was... He was overseeing the persecution of the Christians before he heard God's voice on that road. Even though I am least of the Lord's people, his grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Remember that word is trust, through trust in him, that he would dwell in your hearts. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week.